Hey, uh, let's let's just start out though with with a pack here. First of all, first of all, I'm Zach Howe. If you don't know, I'm not the normal pastor here. I'm I'm just a guy that goes to church here. Grew up in this church, and uh, sometimes when Sean's gone and can't find anybody else, he asks me to preach. So uh, I'm always grateful for the opportunity. I'm grateful you guys came, but I think with the heat outside, let's just say right now, like if the AC goes out, we'll just take a mulligan and come back. All right. We'll just, we'll just do it again Wednesday or something else. So, um, but I, I kind of had this thought these last few weeks. And I, I, you know, have you guys ever, uh, you guys ever realized like kind of how the effects of time and how time kind of changes your outlook on things and, and things that maybe you were really excited about or, or um, really fired up about, like things, things change, like, you know, like, like I, got a, I got a new truck this year. Well, I didn't get one. My work did. I, I think they'll take it back if they fire me. But, um, you know, and it was like all nice and clean, and it's like so cool, and then it doesn't take very long before it's dirty and dented and scratched, and it's just, and you see a truck with a bigger screen in it or a bigger truck and a nicer one, and the sheen just kind of wears off. And uh, I, you know, I used to always see this a lot. I, I used to work on a farm and I used to have to hire guys to drive combine for me every summer. And I'd always tell them like in the, inter like in the interview, I'd just be like, look, this is a miserable job, okay? Like you're either gonna be bored sitting in a machine for 12 hours a day, or you're gonna be out in the hot sun working at some mindless, horrible job. And you're going to work seven days a week, and I need you here 12 to 14 hours a day for about 40 days straight. And every single time, it was always the same thing. They were always like, oh, yeah, I want the hours. Like, yeah, I want to work. I'm here to work. I'm here to work. And it was about five to seven days in before they started coming to me, telling me they needed days off, and they didn't want to do this, and they didn't want to do that, when the week before they were willing to do anything, and they just wanted the hours. And it was the same old story, and the, the sheen, the, the glory, the, the funness of driving big equipment, or, or the motivation just kind of wore off, and they don't really necessarily look at the job the same way they did when they were in the interview. And I think we can all relate to that. We all go through that. I think that happens for all of us as we look back, whether it's a hobby, a job, just whatever, like it, we don't necessarily always look at it the same and time has an interesting effect on us. And I'm, I wanna kinda look at that idea and how that affects our relationship with God. And, and today we're gonna read from 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11. If you wanna turn your Bible there and I'll, I'll just kinda tell the story, but we're gonna read about David and Bathsheba. And I, and I want to take a look at maybe and kind of speculate maybe at what was going on in David's mind and going on in David's heart during this time. And so this is the time that David has finally become king. He's ruled for a while. Everything's going great. They're defeating all these armies. And the story starts out that it says it's the time for kings to go to battle. It's the time when the kings would go lead their men into battle and, and motivate them and get them excited about whatever battle it was that was going on at the time. And David does not go. And, it, and since he does not go, what happens next is he's basically on his roof. He's looking out over and he sees this beautiful woman bathing. He asks his servants who this lady is. And they say that's Bathsheba. He's, she's the wife of a man that's at war. So then David invite, tells his servants to bring her to him. 
They do what you think they're going to do, and she becomes pregnant. And now David has a real problem on his hands. So what David decides to do is that he invites the man, her husband, back to the castle and to, to report on the war and give him a couple days break, figuring he would go home and solve this problem that he has. But the man really does something that you would almost think that David would do. David the warrior, David the man after God's own heart, David this great biblical hero, he would not go home because he knew his men were at war, risking their lives, sleeping on the ground, and he couldn't bring himself to go home and relax. So he slept on the stair, slept outside the palace walls with the servants. And this bothers David because it does not fix the problem David had. So David again then invites him in and he gets him drunk and then hoping that he would do it, go home the next night. And he doesn't again. He goes out and sleeps outside the palace and David says he can go to war. So then David sends a note to Joab, which is the man that he sent instead of him, to war. And he tells him, put him on the front lines and when the attacking gets heavy, fall back so this man gets killed. And that's exactly what happened. In the end, Bathsheba moves in with David. She has the child and God is angry with them and the child dies after about four or five days. And we see this horrible story that ruins so many lives. That, 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 and it's a story that as we know, David's story is so uncharacteristic of David's story. The man that followed God throughout his life, that was anointed by God, that was a warrior, that, that, that had no fear. And it, and it made me wonder what was going on in David's mind and David's heart that led to this. Because if we read the first couple chapter, the first couple verses of Samuel, I think this is probably the most interesting thing to me. It says, in the spring at the time when kings go off to the war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Amorites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained in Jerusalem. And it makes me wonder why David didn't fulfill his duties as king, why he didn't go. And there's a, there's a commentator that wrote that when we step out of the way of our duties, we step into the way of temptation. And boy, isn't that the truth in this story? Something small, something passing of David not fulfilling his kingly duty, not going out and inspiring the troops for this war campaign that they had, ends up snowballing into this thing that he cannot control and ends up losing two people's lives because of the decisions that David made. And I don't think David was fearful of going to war. This was a man who spent his entire life at war and battles, being hunted. And I just wonder what it is was going on in David's life at this time in his life that made him make this decision of not to go. And I'm speculating, but I really wonder if David like so many of us at times, begin to tell himself that maybe, you know what, he had earned the right not to go to battle. He'd been in enough battles. He was the king. He decides when the kings go to war. That he didn't need to, that he had earned the right, that he deserved to stay home and be comfortable. That he had earned that right, that there was no, nobody was going to tell him that he'd done enough, that he deserves to stay home. 
which is a lie I think that many of us know if we look at our hearts that we tell ourselves all the time. That we have earned something, that we deserve something, that we have earned this. You know, there's a car commercial that's been playing here recently, and, and it really has always stuck with me. And it, it, I honestly, it, it kind of bothers me a little bit. And it's like this lady, and it's totally harmless, but, but, you know, she's driving this sports car, and like she got yelled at by her boss, and then she's driving this car, and, and then she looks at the camera, and she says, you deserve to drive a car this fun. You know, I think, I think for a moment we're like, yeah, you know what? I do deserve to, to drive a car this fun. And how, I guess, tunnel vision we almost have to have thoughts like that. And I think it's the exact same thing we told David because, like, if you take off the blinders and you open up your eyes to the entire world around us to just understand the fact that we are so lucky and so blessed to live in a country where we can have a job and even afford to have a car where so many majority of the people in this world will never make enough money to even be able to afford to have a car. And we've gotten to the point where we start telling ourselves that we deserve not only a car, but a fun car. And I think as time passes and we lose sight of the greater things around us, that we start telling us ourselves that we deserve things that maybe we don't necessarily deserve in the eyes of God. I'm not saying it's wrong to have them. I'm not saying it's a sin to have them. But I think many times we start telling ourselves the lie, we deserve things that we don't really deserve. The Bible tells us we really deserve one thing, and that's death. Romans tells us that the wages of our sin is death, but it's the gift of God, the grace of God that we have eternal life. But I think many times we can fall into this same trap that maybe David fell into, that we feel like we deserve so many things. You know, the other thing I wondered about too that I can really relate to as well with David is I wonder if David just got comfortable. David's living in his palace. This is a man who was running from Saul part of his life and living in caves and living in fear and living in danger and, and, and seeing been at wars, and he was finally in his castle. Things have settled down. They were defeating neighboring armies. And, and I wonder if he just got comfortable. And he just maybe got so used to the wars and everything else that, that maybe he just didn't think it was as big of a deal as it used to be. It was just another battle. It was just another war. What's the big deal? I don't need to inspire my troops. It's just another battle. And I wonder if David just got so comfortable and it started to turn into apathy. And he just didn't care as much. The new car lost its shine. And those small choices, those small lies that he started telling his stuff start snowballing and get out of control in David's life. And I'll tell you what, for me, I can really relate to a lot of these things. Honestly, I'll tell you this, the one kind of motivation, the one thing that kind of got me thinking about this and going down this path is about seven years ago, I switched jobs. I used to work here locally in town. And so I would only ever drive into Salem once a week, maybe three times a month, not very often. And now I have a job where I drive in and out of Salem multiple times a day and and the reason I say that is because when I used to drive to Salem, I used to see, you see people 
living under a bridge. You see people on the side of the street. You see people begging. And I remember my heart used to break for those people every time I'd drive through a big city. It really would. Like I, I just, it just always hurt my heart to see people in that position. And I just, I knew in my heart it wasn't my job to judge. It wasn't my job to, to make conjectures on why they're in that place. But it was just my job to do what I could if I could do something. And I'm not saying I always did, and I'm not saying I was great at it, but, you know, sometimes I would. But after I drive, I, I do it, like I said, multiple times a day, and obviously the homeless population has gotten worse, and honestly, to be totally honest with you, I feel nothing, or I've felt nothing. I'm so used to it. I've gotten comfortable with it. I have other things I'm thinking about while I'm driving through town, and I see people in pain, and I see people in agony, and I just wonder if I kind of got like David, and I just thought it's just, just kind of is what it is. And it's amazing how your heart and your mind and your thoughts can change. And even the way that I talk about that situation has changed, where before I felt like I was, I talked about it in a loving way, in a caring way, and now I've almost turned people hurting, people broken into a political issue. And I could be very quick to tell you what somebody else should do about the problem. I can be very quick to tell you what political things change and that's why we have a problem. But for some reason over time and seeing it and getting used to it, I've become callous to it and I'm very slow to tell you what I'm going to do about it. And I think really if you break down the whole David situation and really the situation I told you about myself, I think you can boil it down to a real simple issue and that's that I think David and myself, we both for a moment in our time stopped caring about the things that God cares about. We stopped looking at the world the way God wants us to look at the world. If we look at David, a man who was described as a man after God's own heart, spent much of his life defeating armies because God was on his side, making decisions that seemed irrational because he knew God was on his side. This is a man who had the opportunity to kill Saul, who was chasing him down, and he was hiding in a cave, and David had the chance to kill him, but he didn't because he knew he was anointed by God to be king. And he looked at the world the way God looked at it. And so many times in our lives, we continue, we look at the world the way the world wants us to see it. And it brings in these little lies that we start telling ourselves. And it changes our behavior. It changes the way we act. And we miss out on opportunities that God has provided for us. If you look at John 3.16 and you want to say, well, well what, it, what is it that God cares about? It's pretty simple in John 3.16. He boils it down pretty well. And he just said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And if you stop and think about it, that God loved everyone so much and every single one of them undeserving, but he, he did not give up on us. He did not just say it just is what it is. He did not just say these people will just continue to turn their backs on me. 
but he offered us a sacrifice for us because he loved us so much. And that's the same calling that we have today is to love people, not because they deserve it, not because they've earned it, not because they've done all the right things, but because they're children of God, because they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And too many times we want to be judge, jury, and executioner and not just love people where they are because we have the opportunity to do it because we're looking at this world in the same light that God looks at it. I think many times in our life we just become too self-righteous or maybe we just become too comfortable or we just come what's so easy really to me is we just stop caring. If we remember to Matthew, Jesus is describing the, sheeps and, the sheep and the goats. And if you remember what Jesus said in Matthew, it's Matthew 25, 36 through 41. And Jesus is talking about the goats. He's saying that you did not feed me when I was hungry. You did not clothe me when I was naked. You did not help me when I was sick. And the men look at him and they say, well, what do, you, what do you mean, Jesus? When did we see you like this? And he says, anytime you walk by the poor and the hungry, that's where I am. You know, if you think about when Jesus came and you think about the disciples and the world that they lived in in the Roman Empire, the amount of oppression, the amount of pain, the amount of suffering, the amount of orphans, the amount of widows, the amount of sick, the leper camps, and the pain that the disciples must have seen. And as Jesus came into that world at that time, what did the Pharisees have a problem with? The people that Jesus was hanging out with. They couldn't believe the company that Jesus kept. The poor, the broken, the sick, the hungry, the tax collectors. But Jesus saw them and loved them just the same. And that's the same calling that we have. And that's the way that we are called to look at this world in a way that all people matter, that we love all people. And we have opportunities to share love and share with these people. And yet so many times I think we were just like the disciples where they just kind of blended in with society. And we... And we and we thought a lot about what other people should do for them or what organizations should do for them, and we forget what we can do for them. The opportunities that we have to help other people. You know, you know we're going through interesting times coming out of this COVID-19 deal. Um, you know, it, it seems like there's kind of a, a, a worker shortage right now. Everywhere you go, every person you talk to owns a business is constantly looking for, for workers right now. Um, working in agriculture, we've had this for a while. Um, we've, we've struggled with uh, finding people who want to work. The hours are usually crazy and the pay is usually not that good. Um, I wonder why we have a problem finding people. Um, but it's funny as a person who hires people and then as, a, as talking to a lot of my customers who they hire a lot of people, it's always the same conversation. Everybody says the same thing. And, and you know, all these people, these employers, they all say the same thing. If I could just find a guy that would show up, could pass a drug test, and would care. 
And, and every time they end the conversation with the same thing, they just say, you know, every guy that shows up here, he just wants to show up for eight hours and cash a paycheck. And they just don't care. And sometimes I feel like with my faith, I wonder sometimes if I act like I'm just here to cash my paycheck. I just do the things that, you know, look good and I know are right, and I'm just trying to cash that eternal life paycheck. Instead of looking at the world the way that God looks at it, instead of loving the world the way God loved it, instead of having a heart like God, and, and so many times I lose sight of that and I become like David in this instant where I get so focused on me and my comfort and my self-righteousness, I lose sight of looking at the world the way God intended it. And I don't just see what the world is, but I see what it could be. And we have so many opportunities. And if you look at David's life, the amazing things he accomplished when he had the heart of God, when he was focused on God, and when he was looking at the world the way God looks at it. And we look how sideways his life got when he stopped. I read this quote. I really love this quote. It was from an author. And it said, I would rather be attacked than unnoticed. For the worst thing you can do to an author is to be silent as to his works. And when I think about Jesus as the author of our salvation... And what a, what a grand gift that is to have Jesus as the author of our salvation. And the worst thing I think that we can do is to stop caring and be silent about that salvation. God has given us the opportunity to do great things for him. And so many times we get caught up in our own lives that we miss those opportunities to do things great. And these times in our lives where we fall into these traps and we start telling us things, we start believing what the world wants to tell us, we lose sight of what it is that God can do through us. And I think sometimes on the other side of the coin, sometimes we have done great things for God and we start believing the lies that we're the ones who did them. And we forget that it was God who defeated Goliath. We forget that it was God that defeated these armies. We forget that it was God that put, made David king. And we have opportunities just like that every day. But if we're not looking around and we start believing the lies of this world and we start following to the same comfort level, we miss them. In, in Romans 12, 9 through 13, it says this. It says, let love be genuine, adore what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. I love that line, be fervent in spirit. I think so often as we go through the motions, we lose sight of what it is that God can truly do in our lives and in other people's lives. And too often, 
we just get apathetic and we get lazy and we just start saying things are what they are and we just act like we're just trying to cash that eternal life paycheck. But the amount of things that we can do for God when we start looking at this world the way that God looks at it, that we start loving this world so much, loving the people of this world so much like Jesus did, that we're willing to sacrifice for it. Amazing things can happen in each one of our lives, in our communities, in this world, that we can start making a difference when we start realizing what are the lies of this world and what it is that God wants us to do. And so my prayer for you this morning as we leave here is to be fervent in spirit as we go out this week and that we continue to look at this world the way God wants us to see it, that we see the hurt and the pain and that it hurts our heart, that we just don't look at it and say, well, it's the world. But it hurts our heart like it hurts God's heart. 